We're calling Going Vertical. I don't know, it's kind of like, where did you get that name? You know, no, Vertical. It's, it's going to be awesome. Vertical Life Church, the name for our church, comes from this idea that everything a child of God should be doing with their life is should be for the glory of God, that we live for the glorification of God, that, that from all the things we think, say, and do should be directed to heaven, to honor God with all that we are. Our pursuits, our aspirations should be for His glory. And so we're going to kind of encourage that uh, through this series as we are kicking it off this year. And this series is coming at just the right time because I believe we're in the beginning stages of a move of God in our church. I really do. I've been feeling this kind of building for some time now. And we concluded our series last week with our, our Christmas pageant, the very first Christmas pageant ever. And I want to give a shout out to everyone that was involved with that, especially my wife, Tony, who kind of directed and put that together. I think everyone did just a wonderful job. I thought it was really cool. And, and I love seeing the pictures online and, and, and being a part of that. And, uh, and so if you were involved, you were either in the play or helped with the play. I just want to give you a round of applause today for that um, and just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, but the series that we were in was called Advent, and it was the 40 days prior to Christmas. It was the 40 days that we were using to symbolize a transitional time between what happened this past year to what God is going to bring into this new year. And then that 40 days ended on Christmas Day. It symbolized the passing of one era and the entrance into another era. And as we went through that 40 days of prayer, we together as a church were praying. We were praying for God to fulfill his promises and praying for some very specific things, praying about the vision of what God would be leading us into this next year and trying to ask for confirmation on some of what that vision is. And I believe heaven has heard us. I believe God heard and is beginning to open doors into something new. And you can be praying because this week, Tuesday night, our leadership team is going to be looking at a building that might be the new site for Vertical Life Church. So please, please, please be praying for that, that if it is God's will, that we will have confirmation in our hearts. And then uh, we'll begin to uh, bring more information about that later. But I believe this could be a very exciting next step for our church, having a place of our very own, a place where we can uh, do celebrate recovery and other other um, ministries that we've been wanting to do that we couldn't because of restrictions of building use here at the school. But this year, 2017, we began with a, a teaching series uh, really called Hope. I heard on the radio, I think it was uh, Intentional Living, it was one of the Christian radio stations, one of their teaching segments, and the broadcaster on the radio was talking about New Year's resolutions and how every time New Year's comes around, we're in this habit of making these resolutions that about halfway through the year, we totally forgot we made to begin with. It just seems like never pan out to keep them all the way through the end of the year. And so his idea was rather than coming up with a bunch of resolutions that we're guaranteed not to keep, choose one word one word to be your theme word, one word to kind of guide your thoughts, guide your goals, your plans, to guide your year. And in the beginning of this year, the word that God laid on my heart was the word hope. And then I'm so glad he did because hope carried me, my family, and even our church through a lot of things this year. It carried us through a lot of things. Hope got us through uh, some challenges and some struggle. 
But I believe that hope is what has set us up for this year in 2018. And the word I believe that that we're going to be clinging to this year in 2018 is the word faith. Because I believe God is getting ready to ask us to step into some faith, to begin walking in faith as he begins to work in and through us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I don't know about you, but I don't just want to have hope in my heart. I want the things I hope for to actually come to pass. Can I get an amen on that? Anybody else tracking with me? I want the things that I hope for to actually happen. And I know that those things are only going to happen if I'm actively pursuing after them in faith and allowing God to perform the miracles, to do the things I cannot do. This word faith, I believe, is going to drive our ministry this year. Because God is going to call on us, again, to act in faith, to bring about his blessings and promises that he has been preparing us for this year. Faith is so very important because faith is what drives our obedience. Why obey God if we don't believe God? Faith drives our obedience. It it takes faith to give your last dollar to the Lord and and then trust that he's going to provide for your needs. It takes faith to maybe uh, refuse or pass up a promotion at work so that you have the time freely to serve in the ministry. It takes faith to continue to walk in humble obedience when everyone else around you seems to be giving up and doing their own thing. It takes faith to go vertical and position yourself for a big move of God. Just like an athlete who believes they have the ability to win the match, faith drives them to prepare for that competition. There is no Olympian, no Olympic athlete in the world who stands on the winner's stage holding and grasping and crying over that gold medal who woke up the morning of the competition and said, hey, I guess I'll give it a shot today. Then that would be absolutely ridiculous to think they're just going to wake up and, and say, hey, let me, let me go for it. You know, Olympians like Michael Phelps, if you watch their interviews, they tell you that, that they don't just break record after record and, and set standard after standard without intense training. Training is not just something they do. It becomes who they are. It's absolutely necessary if they're going to have even a shot at winning. Training becomes a part of their life from the food they eat to the amount of time they sleep to what leisure activities they allow themselves to participate in to the amount of time at the gym. It all revolves around the training. It is the training that prepares them to compete. And it is the faith in the training and in the one training them that enables them to confidently walk up to that starting line and give it all they got when the gun fires. And just as an athlete trains for the competition and the win, followers of Jesus Christ have to train for the journey and the blessing. We have to train. It would be absolutely ridiculous, again, for an athlete to think they could compete at the Olympic level and win without training. And so it is the same for the follower of Jesus Christ that thinks they can float through life without training and still become all they need to be in Jesus and enjoy a powerful move of God in their life. The thing that we can just float on by and do nothing and expect God just to move mountains. 
Proverbs 15, 32 speaks of discipline and training. See, the words training and discipline are synonymous in the scripture. And really a person that despises to be corrected or to be trained is a person who really does not want to win. In Proverbs 15, 32, Solomon writes, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. Think about that for a minute. If you reject discipline, if you reject training, you only harm yourself. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you harm yourself if you reject training from the Lord? It's because you will never change. You will never change. And you'll continue to repeat the same problems and the same cycles and the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. But the good news is if you listen to correction, you will grow in understanding. Proverbs 12.1. He writes, to learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. To learn, you must love the training. You must love it. You must crave it. You must pursue it and go after it. But the problem with training, if your experience with training is the same as mine, the problem with training is training is not fun. Training is not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's difficult. It's hard and can be overwhelming at times. I remember in, in high school when I would train with the football players and we, we would do the, uh, really it was the off-season training and we would go through all the different exercises. Man, there are times I thought I was going to die. My heart was pounding so bad that I was just going to explode and I was going to puke it out right on the floor. I would just, it was miserable. My shin splints were, were going so bad I didn't think I was going to be able to walk. Training is difficult. And sometimes is outright miserable because it pushes you to the brink. And matter of fact, sometimes training can often feel like wandering through a desert without water. Where you are brought to your weakest point, even to the point you feel like giving up altogether. But it is in the training desert that as followers of Christ that we are prepared for what is yet to come. The title of this message today is simply called The Training Desert. The starting point for going vertical in your life, for positioning yourself for a move of God, begins with the training desert. Somebody say training desert. It's so important that we recognize this. You see, God in the Bible uses deserts to train his people for his purposes. In Numbers chapter 14, after the nation of Israel was miraculously delivered from Egypt, the 10 plagues came down, the Passover, the whole, you know, the thing Charlton Charlton Heston made famous and uh, and that we see from time to time on the television, the 10 commandments, all that. They got out of Egypt. They're in the desert. God's providing water through a rock. He's, He's providing quail. He's providing manna. He's doing all these supernatural things. Exodus 19, they come to Mount Sinai. God literally descends from heaven onto the top of the mountain in this great uproarious display that freaks everybody out. And he does that so they would recognize who it is, is uh, their God, who the God really is. He does all these things. And he finally brings them to the promised land, the fulfillment of over 400 years of prophecy. The land he promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to their descendants. He brings them to the promised land, to the gates of blessing. And he says, get ready, guys. You're getting ready to walk into the promise. You're getting ready to experience everything I have for you. At the stage was set. 
And so the Israelites are here at the gates of the blessing of the promise, and they send 12 spies into the land, and they're in there for 40 days checking it out. And I know God allowed them to send these spies in because I believed he wanted the spies to come back and tell them, hey man, this is awesome. Look what God has given us. He wanted their faith to increase, for hope to rise, for them to be encouraged and get ready to go take what God had provided for them. But the story is a little different. The story changes because 10 out of the 12 were not filled with faith. They were filled with fear. And that fear spread throughout the camp to the point that the majority of the Israelites, aside from the two faithful spies, Joshua and Caleb, and really Moses and Aaron, decided that they would rather go back to Egypt. The group wanted to overthrow Moses and Aaron as their leaders and head back to Egypt where they could guarantee uh, where their food was coming from. They could guarantee like something that they would be more tangible for them. They were afraid of what it was going to take to go and take the... Uh, received the blessing from God. And God was so filled with anger against the Israelites for their faithlessness that he said in Numbers chapter 14, verse 34, it says, because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Remember their sins really were, were just lack of faith. They didn't believe. They didn't trust God. And so here, he's having them wander for 40 years. He says, then you will discover what it is like to have me for an enemy. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in the wilderness, and here they will die. The 10 men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. God was so displeased that the Israelites were so easily persuaded by fear and to shrink back from faith that not only was their blessing withheld from them for a time, but he sent them back into the desert. He took them out of Egypt into the desert to the promised land. He sent them back into the desert for another 40 years until the last person of the faithless generation passed away. He sent them back to learn what they had yet to learn and that there is one God and he is the Lord. You see, the nation of Israel, they were not spiritually ready to receive the promised blessing. God sent them to the training desert to be purged of their faithlessness and to be redirected to a place of reverence for and dependence on the one true God to the point that they would be ready and willing to follow God in faith no matter what, no matter the circumstances, to go wherever he led them to go. You see, sometimes God has to break us down before he can build us back up. And this is a truth, especially if you're an athlete and you do any kind of weight training. Uh, the reason why your muscles hurt after lifting weights, anybody have that happen? You go and you lift weights and all of a sudden, like with, by the end of the day, you're just sore. The next day, your muscles are just aching and pain. The reason why that happens is because of a medical, uh, I don't know if you call it a, a uh, condition or not, but there's something called DMS. It's called delayed muscle soreness. Delayed muscle soreness. And that is caused by micro trauma to your muscles when you're lifting weights. Literally, when you lift weights, the muscle fibers in your muscles tear and rip. And your body has pain because of that. 
You are literally harming your body when you lift weights. But the truth in this is that those tears, that pain, is what causes your body to repair the muscle and actually grow more muscle on top of it to strengthen it in order to be able to handle heavier weights. So before you're able to do greater, to do more, you need to be broken down. And we, as children of God, we go through these training deserts to break down what is keeping our faith weak in order to build up what will make our faith stronger. Just as God had to send Israel through a desert for 40 years to prepare them to go into the promised land, God also sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the desert for 40 days to prepare him to go to the cross. God uses training deserts to prepare us for the next stage. The core concept of this message today really boils down to this, that before we can experience a move of God, He takes us through a desert training situation to give us the faith necessary to enter into his blessing. God has a purpose for every desert training situation. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, Paul the apostle writing to the church of Corinth, he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. This passage of scripture hit me in the teeth this year. Because in my own training desert, rather than taking advantage of that season and learning and growing, rather than allowing God to prune me, I began to just coast spiritually. Partially because I didn't realize I was in a training desert, and partially because I was just so overwhelmed with my circumstances that all I could think about was just giving up. What else could I let go of? I'm just under too much stress, too much pressure. I didn't feel like I could continue to keep being faithful with all the pressures and expectations on me. And this type of season affects many of us. When we're going through struggles and hardships or just difficult seasons emotionally where we feel like everything is going wrong, Rather than seeing them as training deserts, something God is using for our good to increase our faith and position us for a blessing, and instead of surrendering to it to learn from it, we try to fight against it or run from it and end up becoming overwhelmed by it. The overwhelming nature of the training desert got to me. And rather than training like I should have, I began to shadow box. I, I looked like I was accomplishing something, but really I was just coasting. And I was faced with the reality that I very well could be disqualified after preaching to others. Paul's fear was my very own reality, and it woke me up. It woke me up to the, what was going on in my heart and in my life. You see, instead of seeking the Lord and allowing his peace to sustain me in the midst of that overwhelming stress and struggle, I was running to all sorts of things that gave me the illusion of rest rather than acquiring true rest. Jesus, he taught us, he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And even in this time, this this desert training situation in my own life, I would have said, I believe that to be true. Come to the Lord, he will give you rest. Yet my life did not reflect that belief. When I felt tension in my desert training, my mind wouldn't wander to the Lord, it would wander to Facebook 
Then I'd scroll for hours. I'd wander to video games, and I'd pass the time. I'd run to entertainment of various kinds, to wine, to relax me, food, to satisfy me. I would even try to escape the tension in my very own thoughts and in my mind as a way to find escape and rest from my troubles. And what the Lord taught me in my training desert, what I found to be true, is that searching anywhere else other than Jesus for rest in the desert is like drinking salt water when you're already dehydrated. You may feel refreshing for a moment, but the end result is greater dehydration. Dehydration can even bring about organ dysfunction and even organ failure. Rather than drinking from the rock that flows out living water, I was drinking from salty seas. And there's some of you here today, you're in your own training desert. And you are just like I was. You're drinking from salty seas. You're searching everywhere else other than the Lord for your refreshing. And this is why you don't feel refreshed. You feel more and more overwhelmed by your situation because you're not drinking from the source of true living water. See, Israel, though they were being led by God through Moses, they were not depending on God. They were depending on only what they could see, what they could taste, what they could touch. This is why after Moses went to uh, the top of Mount Sinai to commune with God, they fashioned a golden calf, an idol to worship. This is why they, they longed to go back to Egypt where they knew where they could find food because they were, they were tired of wondering if they were going to have a meal the very next day. The problem with those gods and that nation for the nation of Israel is that it led to that nation's bondage and destruction. Rather than freedom and blessing, this longing to go back to Egypt, this longing to have false gods led to the nation of Israel's bondage and destruction. And this is where many of us get caught up. This is where we get caught up in the desert. Rather than leaning in harder to the Lord, rather than seeking him with fiercer expectation, we begin to wander away from God. We begin to stop doing the very things we know will sustain us. And we start seeking satisfaction and rest and peace and comfort and, and stability in other locations. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then the first word in verse seven says, then. We need to pause right there and understand this is Paul the apostle giving us a cause and effect situation. Like there's a cause and an effect. The first is the cause. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. That word then lets us know that after we do this, there's something coming after. There's an effect getting ready to come. Here's what he says. He says, then after you've thanked God and you've prayed to God, you've communed with God in prayer, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's cause and effect. When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling tense, when you're feeling like you're ready to give up, don't worry about it. Pray about it and thank God for delivering you for it. And then his peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. And the question is, is why does it exceed anything we can understand? It's because his peace is unexplainable. If you have felt the peace of God, you know it's unexplainable. It's in that moment where you feel like your world is falling apart, but yet you feel completely fine. 
It's unexplainable how this works, how you can have true joy in the midst of bleak and dark circumstances. But God is faithful. God is the source of peace. It is in him that you find rest. It is in him that you find strength. It is in him that you find hope. It is in him that your faith will be blessed. And all other sources of peace are false idols meant to rob you of the very thing that you are anxiously awaiting God to provide. Anything else other than God are salty seas. When you feel that overwhelming tension as you trudge through your training desert, it should be to your knees that you fall and in the presence of the Lord that you enter so his peace can fill your heart with living water, so his strength can sustain your resolve to be faithful and your faith can move you forward to conquer everything that is set before you. Because the training desert will soon come to an end and the gates of the promise will be opened wide. See, the reality is that even though training deserts feel impossible to conquer, you have more in you than you think. You have more in you than you think you do. Because if you are a child of God and you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God lives within you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you've already won a great victory because the Spirit of God lives within you. You have more in you than what you feel. Your weakness is not weakness. God said that my power works greatest in weakness. God uses these training deserts to purge the faithlessness out of the Israelite camp and purge the faithlessness out of us to bring those who trusted him back to this place of blessing, to the gates of the promised land. Joshua, who assumed command of Israel after Moses passed away in the desert, he writes in Joshua 14, 10 through 11, he says, now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive And well, as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I could still travel and fight as well as I could then. Wilderness training, desert training, though it's harsh, it will not defeat the faithful. As we lean on God, we will be sustained and strengthened even at our weakest moment we will overcome through the power of his Holy Spirit. We need to wake up to the realization that that we are just as strong, if not stronger, if we stay faithful through that training desert. We will be just as strong as we were before we entered the training. Because training deserts are not designed to destroy the faithful. They're designed to take you to the next level in your faith journey. To help us learn how to commune with God rather than consume knockoff substitutes. Therefore, the breakings of cycles of faithlessness in order to redirect us to faithfulness. They exist to help us see how we can suffer and still have peace, to sacrifice and he will still meet our needs. They exist to shift our focus. But what happens? What happens when we fail to recognize that we're even in a training desert and we fight against the training? Or we try to avoid it. Or we try to seek self-gratification rather than the filling of the Holy Spirit. What happens is that we will see an increase of conflict, toil, and struggle against us. 
until we learn the lessons God is trying to teach us. The nation of Israel, after hearing God was not going to let them go into the promised land, after they kind of defected in faithlessness, God was leading them back out to the desert. They tried to change their tune, but not out of faith, but out of fear, really. Fear of struggling in the desert, fear of going through that desert training situation. And they tried to avoid having to go through that wandering for 40 years. And so they decided to gather some people together and and force the blessing of God to fall by their own strength. But it was too late. In verse 41 of Numbers chapter 14, Moses said, Why are you now disobeying the Lord's orders to return to the wilderness? It won't work. Do not go up into the land now. You will only be crushed by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. When you face the Amalekites and Canaanites in battle, you will be slaughtered. The Lord will abandon you because you have abandoned the Lord. But the people defiantly pushed ahead toward the hill country, even though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant left the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in those hills came down and attacked them and chased them back as far as Horma. You see, being close to God in the desert is far greater than being away from him in the promised land. You see, they were too faithless to receive the blessing and they were too faithless to submit to the training. Just like Israel, when we fight against the training, when we, when we try to run from it, when we try to skip the training to go right to blessing or try to do things our own way, misery and struggle abounds. It is certain. It came from the desert, or Israel came from the desert, but because of faithfulness, faithlessness, they had to go back into the desert. And even Moses, the great prophet, the leader that brought them out of Egypt with one act of disobedience in the desert, It caused him to lose the blessing. We may enter a training desert situation because of faithlessness, but only by surrendering to it, submitting to God, will we be formed and molded by it and fully prepared to receive God's blessings at the appointed time. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. We humble ourselves. God will lift us up at the right time. See, no one is exempt from the training desert. The conflict will come. Champions will be crowned, but it will only be those who are properly trained that will enter the winner's circle. Those who humble themselves under the discipline of the Lord will receive the blessing at the appointed time. I was listening to a, a podcast uh, a little while ago, and I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes uh, quote this verse and make a really powerful application, and so I'm completely stealing it uh, for, for this message today. But in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob, really the father of Israel, he was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, he's giving his final words to his sons as he lays on his deathbed, kind of giving them their blessing. And he says to his youngest son, Benjamin, in verse 27, He says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, devouring his enemies in the morning and dividing his plunder in the evening. So really, if you think about it, Benjamin, he goes hunting in the morning. He makes his kill in the morning, but divides the spoils in the evening. He hunts, he works in the morning, he toils in the morning, and he divides in the evening. You see, many of us want the spoils of the evening without being trained in the morning. We don't want to do the work in the morning to be trained. 
We just want to skip to the spoils. That's why when struggle comes, that's why when we enter these desert training situations, we freak out. We're like, oh no, my life's falling apart. What's going on? Because we don't like the negative. We don't like the hard. We don't like the struggle. The work in the training is going through the process of trial and error, reorganizing, re-strategizing, passionate pursuits, expectant waiting, leaps of faith as we attempt to try to discover what God is trying to teach us. But we try to neglect the work and go right to the spoils. But if we want to divide the spoils, we need to devour in the morning. We need to devour if we want to divide. If we do not devour in the morning, we will not get to divide in the evening. Which means that if we do not lean into God, seek his presence, renew our minds every day with his word, confess our sins one to another, and pray for and over each other. If we don't seek wise counsel and help seek out others to help bear our burdens, if we try to go this alone, try to do it in our own strength, with our own will, we will keep coming up empty-handed. We need to submit ourselves to the Lord because at the right time, he will lift us up in honor. We need to devour in the morning and in the evening, we will divide the spoils. You may be here today and your whole life has seemed like a training desert and you wonder, how long, God? How long am I going to have to wander? How long until I make it to the gates of this promised land, until I get to that point where I feel like I have peace and rest? How long must I sweat and toil in the desert? Well, Israel had to wander until they were ready, until they were spiritually prepared for the next stage in their journey. They had to continue to devour in the desert until God was ready for them to divide in the promised land. And I want to encourage you here today, especially for those You might be here today, you feel like you're ready to give up. Your faith is on edge and you feel like, you know, I don't know how much more of this I have to give. Let me encourage you because you do have more in you than you feel. You have more potential to reach. God is not done with you. He is trying to teach you and mold you and shape you to prepare you for the next stage in your spiritual journey. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. There is a promise of God here that after the training, there will be peace. The training is going to come to an end. And after that training will come the gift of peace. The blessing that you longed for in the desert are on the horizon, but you will not get there if you are not trained. If you can keep neglecting your lessons and miss what God is wanting to teach you in the desert, you'll keep wandering until you're prepared for the journey to change. You know, our Lord and Savior, again, he had to go through his own training desert. Before he could even start his ministry, he went into the wilderness for 40 days. Luke 6, 40, the New Testament declares that students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are students of the greatest teacher who's ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ. And we need to continually pursue our training so that one day we can become like him. And our God, he's ready right now to take you up another level, to take you one step closer to conforming into the image of his son, to become a beacon of hope 
in your families, and in your community to be a conduit of his glory in the world. He wants you to devour in the desert so he can raise you up to divide in the promised land. The question is, is what is stopping you from devouring in the desert? What is stopping you? What's in the way of getting you to pursue him with all you are in the desert? What's stopping you from being trained today? Have you given up? Even if it's just on the inside, you're, you're still outwardly going through the motions, but on the inside, you've given up. What is it? The reality is that when we are feeling all flustered and, and stressed out, when we are feeling like we just needed an escape of all of our problems, when all we want to do is check out, that life's too hard, that we're ready to give up, that, that the moment when it feels too impossible to pray, too impossible to read God's word, when it's too impossible to commune with this Holy Spirit, like we can't just continue to be faithful, we can't keep serving, we can't continue to be obedient. It's just too hard, God. The reality is, it's really not that difficult. It's really not. It's not too hard to pray. It's not too hard to read or commune with the Lord. It's not too hard to be faithful and serve. That is only a lie that Satan wants you to feel when you're overwhelmed. He wants you to feel like being faithful isn't worth it. He wants you to feel and believe that so you won't depend on the Lord, so you won't seek him, so you won't go before him, so that you won't cast all your cares on him, so you won't get into his word and let his promises fuel your faith, so you won't draw closer to Jesus so his peace can guard your heart, so you won't find rest when you desperately need him. See, when we only feel like we can't go after the promises of God and be obedient by faith because our enemy wants us to fail. He wants us to fail in the desert. He wants us to go untrained. Don't think for a second that Satan will leave you alone in the training desert because the training desert is his playground. If he came for Jesus, he is going to come for you. But what truth we need to wake up to today is the temptation that our enemy brings in the desert is what God leverages to strengthen us. And when you choose to fight those negative feelings by giving wings to your faith, you will find yourself standing at the gates of the promised blessing on the other side of the desert. And just like Joshua, you'll be able to proclaim with full confidence that you were just as strong on the other side as you were before you entered. It is the enemy that gets you to focus on weakness, but God redirects you to focus on his strength. You have more in you than you realize. Don't give up. Love the training. Pursue the training. Embrace the training. You can make it through the desert. Just keep devouring today. And tomorrow, you will divide. So what kind of desert training are you wandering through today? What lesson or lessons is God trying to teach you as you follow him toward fulfilled promises? What is God speaking to your heart right now as you look at your life and the circumstances you're experiencing? And what will you choose to do today? Will you choose to submit to the desert training by faith, to learn and be trained, to say, God, I may not like this. This makes me uncomfortable, but I trust you and I will follow you wherever and however you lead, or you continue to walk in fear. 
to isolate yourself from the faithful and miss out on the blessings of God. You see, the thing about the name of Joshua, and we're going to close, is that the name Joshua comes from the same Hebrew word where we get the name Jesus. And Joshua devoured in the desert for 40, and Jesus devoured in the desert for 40. One became the leader of his people. The other one became the savior of the whole world. And I'd like you today, before we close, to just imagine, if you will, what if you devoured God's lessons in the training desert? What could God do with you? Imagine who you could be on the other side of the desert and what impact you could have in the world. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, God, we know that no training is pleasant, but God, you have a purpose for every pain. Lord, everyone here is walking their own journey, struggling with their own struggles, their own situations, but God, you have orchestrated every one for their good. And I know that during this time when we are analyzing our lives and we're looking at things that we need to do to make changes, God, often we don't think about what we can do to increase our faith. We think about going on diets. We think about how we can spend our money better. We think about these practical things, but often we don't consider how we could grow in our faith. And so many times, God, you are trying to teach us things through the day-to-day struggles, not just the big struggles, but the day-to-day struggles, the day-to-day challenges. You're trying to teach us and mold us, but we just are either blind or we're deaf to your lessons because we're not looking for your hand. We're not looking for your move in our life. And so we continue to butt our heads against the same problems and struggles day in and day out, wondering why we can't overcome these situations. And I pray, God, that you would open our eyes and you would open our ears today in Jesus' name. God, for the one who is struggling in their faith, God, whose life just seems to be an overwhelming mess, who's given up on the inside, though they may still be holding it together on the outside. God, I pray that they would be encouraged today to know that this desert is orchestrated by design and that you are working in them, pruning them, cultivating their faith, that you're raising them up for an even greater blessing. And I just pray for them right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would strengthen their heart, that they would know today, God, that they have more in them than they know, that there's more potential for them to reach, that there's another level for them to climb. And your will and your plan to use them is great. I just pray for our church, God, as we are seeking you, as we're seeking you into the, where you're leading us this next year. Whether, God, you're leading us out of a desert to go into another or you're leading us out of a desert into the promised land, God, I just pray that we would remain faithful, that our eyes and our ears would remain open, our hearts would stay steadfast, God, and that we would follow you wherever you lead. I thank you for our church. I thank you for every blessing. I thank you for the souls that are going to be impacted through our ministry. 
I thank you, God, for the eternal legacy that's gonna be unleashed through the lives that are changed in this place. I thank you for the families that are gonna be changed because of the decisions that are made in this room and, and among our people. God, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for second chances. God, I thank you that you don't just process endings. You always provide new beginnings. And when we wake up tomorrow, God, we'll be waking up to a new beginning, a new year, a new opportunity. So right now, God, as we go into a time of prayer, I pray the unity of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit would fall. And God, you just stir up in our hearts. Speak to us, God, of the areas in our lives where we need to grow in our faith. In the places you're trying to get our attention, the lessons you're trying to teach us. And don't let us be stubborn or fearful where we shrink back from what, where you're leading, God, but let us follow you with an intense faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to close with a song. The microphone's down here. If someone has a word of faith or an encouragement they want to share, you're welcome to come at this time. If there's a need on your heart, if you're going through a desert and you'd like me to pray for you, I'll be down here um, at the conclusion of the song. We'll be dismissed.